0: Hello podcast listeners, this is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today we have an awesome guest that uh, I actually met her boyfriend at the time at the Awaken Empowered Expo, which is an event in Detroit, and he was speaking on health and wellness and digestive health, and little did I know that Angela uh, was uh, into all this health and wellness kind of stuff as well, and uh, and has a very cool... A kind of like eco-friendly green living business and uh, we're going to talk about all those kind of topics today and uh, really just kind of dive into how you can have a healthier home, a cleaner, more eco-friendly, just a better home environment overall uh, along with different topics like fermenting and those types of things as well. So today we have on the podcast Angela Russell. She's a metro Detroit entrepreneur with a passion for cooking with whole foods, nutrition, yoga, fermenting, DIY, and traveling. Angela's journey to a holistic lifestyle inspired to share her knowledge and passion by way of Green Dreams Detroit. Green Dreams Detroit hosts workshops, private consultations, and eco-retreats sharing the Puda Vida lifestyle with others along their own path to health and wholeness. And for those of you that don't know, Puda Vida means pure life, and it's the Costa Rican kind of tagline. Uh, and I'm actually in Costa Rica right now. I moved here for a few months, so uh, I'm fully. I I love that. It's it's completely awesome, and uh, it's just exciting to have to know other people doing this kind of work. So, um, Angela, how are you doing today?
1: Good morning. I'm doing great.
0: How are you? I'm doing very well. I took a swim in the ocean this morning, and I don't know if there's many other amazing ways to start today um, uh. that are that great. So I'm I'm very very. Uh, excited for this interview and and grounded which is a good thing
1: awesome Um, i'm a little bit jealous
0: (laughs) well you'll be here soon enough so um and we'll we'll talk about that at the end of the interview because that's definitely something that i'm sure some of the listeners would be interested in um but i want to start the interview with how i start all the interviews really and ask you how did you get started in kind of health and wellness green living and kind of and specifically to uh applying those types of uh, kind of like principles, if you will, to the kind of home living space?
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, I've always lived a fairly health conscious lifestyle, but um, about five years ago, I met my uh, now-fiancé and business partner. Um, he's a naturopathic physician. So our, uh, our first adventure into the eco sort of um, healthy space is a recruitment business um, and where we place candidates with companies who make eco-friendly products and vitamins. Um, and then, you know, I was, I was starting to look into my own environment. What am I putting on my skin? What am I eating? Uh, you know, looking at labels more closely. And uh, with mass Health, I really started to understand um, that we're living really in a chemical world. So I've, you know, slowly started to, uh, over the past five years, I've shed a lot of that. I'm completely out of my lifestyle, and a lot of these um, ideas are fairly easy fixes for people, so I was inspired to share with others who are interested in living a cleaner, greener lifestyle, and that's kind of how I ended up where I am today.
0: Very cool. Did you have any kind of, like, any, like, sort of, like, I know you said you, you're kind of, um, I don't know if you mentioned this today or in the and the interview that wasn't working before this because of the Internet Connection, but you mentioned something about how you were kind of raised in that kind of environment. Was there something that, were you always kind of healthy and you really never had any challenges that made you kind of really dive into that, or was it, how, how did that kind of come about?
1: Well, you know, my mom's a, a pediatric nurse, so we ate we ate really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, no junk food or anything like that in the house, but uh, not so much on the chemical side, the cleaning products and um, bath and body products uh, that I kind of discovered a little bit later you know and and no I've not always been perfectly healthy in college I definitely took a, a dive off the deep end <laughs> hmm. and um, wasn't really living up to my um, my best potential there.
0: Mm-hmm. So from that experience did that kind of cause you to want to learn more about health and wellness or was it just kind of a natural culmination of of your life's journey or was there kind of like a real because I kind of find for some reason that there's kind of like two probably more than two paths but for some people it's you know this is just kind of the way it is and I understand this and it's great but then for other people it's like there's a huge challenge and then they overcome that um and then they and then they're kind of like sold and they're like believers of this and you know what I mean so for you what what was more
1: it's been more of an evolution.
0: Okay, uh, cool. You know,
1: I think, I think I remember the day that it happened so, um, and really kind of shifted my mind. Um, you know, I was looking at the back of a, I think it was a Bath and Body Works lotion product that oh. I had. And I said, Matt, what are all these things in here? And he's like, really, you don't want to know. Um, and that's when I was like, whoa, I've been using all of these chemicals and told me a little bit about absorption into the skin and it was just something i hadn't fully considered before um so that was about five years ago Mm
0: Mm-hmm. gotcha um we so with your work the cool thing i like about it is like for for me i see the home as something that's uh it's kind of like your ecosystem your environment for kind of like your mind and spirit kind of like we have, you know, our cells and our organs and our blood and our and our, and our body. That's kind of like our environment for our health, but for our environment for a healthy mind and a healthy kind of spirit and kind of like a Zen approach to life. The home mm-hmm. is just kind of like that focal center point, if you will. Um, so, in your work, uh, well, can you kind of like first first question I have is in your work with Green Dreams Detroit, and for anyone listening that lives in the Detroit area definitely check out greendreamsdetroit.com to learn more about her work. But um, in your work, what kind of give our listeners an overview of what it is that you do like with your clients within Green Dreams Detroit when you go into their homes.
1: Sure. So everyone's a little bit different, of course. So I personalize my approach to my client's goals. But usually in the first meeting, um, it's a consultation where we look at different areas of the home and look at what improvements can be made. Uh, So that can include anything from cleaning products to food storage to fridge and pantry, um, personal care is a huge area. Uh, And then we look to see what improvements can be made and kind of start from there. So a lot of what I do is consultation. Uh, I do a lot of cooking demos as well, how to incorporate the healthier foods into the diet because a lot of people know that they should eat healthier and don't know really where to start.
0: Right, okay. So it's kind of a holistic approach to both the green side of things, but then also the, the health side of things. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, interesting. So uh, when you go into a home, I, I would imagine there's like kind of the, there, there's different kind of, obviously there's different parts of the home. So you have, you know, the bathroom, the bedroom, the kitchen, things like this. What, which areas of the home are the most toxic in, in your experience?
1: Generally cleaning cabinets, so people tend to keep a, a cabinet of cleaning products, and um, it, there's generally three to ten gallons of toxic chemicals in an average American home. So wow. that would be huge. Um, so cleaning products for the kitchen, um, as well as the bathroom, tend to be the most toxic.
0: Okay, you, you, said, you said three to ten gallons, is that what you said? Yeah. Wow.
1: That's <laughs>
0: Okay, and then you said the top two generally toxic areas are the, say it one more time. just. The bathroom and the kitchen, I would say, in terms of
1: cleaning.
0: Yeah. Okay, gotcha, okay. Um, okay, so bathroom and the kitchen. Okay, so uh, in, let's start with the bathroom because I want the listeners to kind of understand uh, your knowledge on this and to kind of uh, benefit from, from what it is that you do and what you know. So if you go into a client's bathroom and, and you kind of start looking through, what are, the, what are the toxic things in the bathroom that we should be aware of and that we can make changes with?
1: So one of the most toxic um, chemicals that's used in the bathroom and also in other, uh, other areas is um, antifungal and antibacterial products. Um, triclosan is a chemical that's um, toothpaste, Antibacterial hand gels and hand sanitizers, soaps, deodorants like Lysol types of products, and um, what it does is wipe out the ecosystem um, uh, of whatever you're cleaning. But more so, it's it's um, a toxic hormone disrupting chemical, and it's bioaccumulative, which means it can build up in the body. Not only can it build up in the body, but when we flush that stuff down the drain, it's actually um, depleting the ecosystem in our lake. That the Great Lakes have been found to have buildup of trichotin. So I think that's probably the worst thing that most people have is all the antibacterial stuff around the house. And we've kind of been conditioned to be bacteriophiles and kind of want to, you know, scrub everything and clean it with bleach. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's probably the most detrimental. Thing
0: hmm. that we can do. So it's, it's, it's a, how does that, do you know how that toxin kind of affects our health? Like, what are the kind of side effects? Like, if someone may have this in their home right now or has had it in their home in the past, what what kind of effects may that have on them?
1: Well, it's a known hormone disruptor.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: uh, uh, possibly, a, a, I don't like to say that things are you know, cause cancer, but uh, this, the research is going in that direction. Um, and also, the, the main issue with using these products is that then you're um, susceptible to super bugs, you know, uh, bacteria that are not uh, able to be killed, like MRSA and things like that, that can build up, you know, if you're using a lot of these products that really just kind of ruin the ecosystem and the, um, the, the uh, microbiome, so to speak, of your bathrooms and things like that.
0: Huh. So you're saying that basically if someone uses these products, it'll, it'll kill the, the bacteria and fungus, like the smaller, weaker ones, if you will, but then the superbugs, that, that can still attack you and your health and your body, which your immune system exactly. then isn't able to handle because it didn't kind of graduate to that level. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's happening a ton in hospitals. Wow. <laughs> you know, a lot people come home and they've got bacterial infections that uh, need stronger and stronger and stronger antibiotics, which, of course, wipe out the uh, digestive microbiome. So, hmm. Yeah, not good. And um, it's a good thing to know is that there are essential oils uh, that you can use that actually are antifungal and antibacterial uh, naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot that we can do in terms of replacing products and making our own.
0: And those essential oils don't weaken your immune system; they actually, strengthen them. I'd imagine. Okay, so, mm-hmm. which, which essential which essential oils are kind of the top? Few recommendations that you'd make for that:
1: peppermint, uh, thyme, lavender, lemongrass, cinnamon, uh, coriander. So, and also tea tree. So, E. coli can actually be killed by uh, coriander and tea tree oils, and uh, probably some of the others as well.
0: Either or, or like a combination of those two.
1: You can combine them. Um, I generally put a few drops of several different things when I'm. Flipping up a batch of cleaning products. and then I also use vinegar and um, water to dilute. Okay. Huh. Spray bottle and use that as a cleaning product.
0: Okay. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That that does make a lot of sense in the in the kind of um, modernized, sterilized world that uh, you know. To some degree, I guess you know. Obviously, it's kind of a balance there. You know, you don't want bacteria and fungus everywhere because you know that's obviously not healthy but at the same time using chemicals to kind of rid those things weakens your immune system and like you said makes you susceptible to superbugs so um you know keeping your immune system strong and and kind of approaching it in a healthier greener way makes a lot of sense um so that's that that kind of applies i guess to the uh, to, well, let's let's continue with the bathroom a little bit. So, what else do you find in the bathroom? I mean, we all use cosmetic products, skincare, things like that. Uh, what what kind of common things do you see within the bathroom that uh, can be switched out for a healthier, greener alternative? And and what would you recommend with that?
1: Well, pretty much everything. <laughs> anything <laughs> that you find in your bathroom, you could probably find a healthier replacement. So, anything from soap to shampoo and conditioner. Um, lotions are, are major culprits of chemicals and nanoparticles um, sunscreens so I mean you name it you can probably find a healthier alternative some of the main chemicals to look out for in the bathroom parabens phthalates nanoparticles which are used to um, like in sunscreens to make them look um, uh, cleaner and not as white on your skin um, SLS sodium lauryl sulfate Um, synthetic fragrances, there are hundreds and hundreds of fragrances um, that we really don't know what the effects are, but um, they're likely not good, and they're artificial, and um, they're pretty much any product that you can look at. And also DEA and TEA, uh, those are emulsifiers and foaming agents. Those are in your body wash and shampoo. And also, probably the worst thing you could put on your skin in terms of a cleaning product in the bathroom is an antibacterial soap, so we got into those a lot in the 80s, right? Um, like the uh, the dial and all the antibacterial, antifungal soap. Um, really, just 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 kind of ruining that immune system and that layer of protective organisms that live on your skin.
0: Okay, interesting. So, uh, just to sum that up: parabens, sodium lauryl sulfate. Uh, you said DEA and T. Say it was a T one.
1: DEA and
0: TEA. Okay, DEA and TEA, okay. So basically, uh, just to go through everything that you know has a bottle or whatever, and then just look at the ingredients, and if it has those, you don't want to be purchasing those, purchasing those again um, because, yeah. because they're, like you said, hormone disruptors and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the antibacterial uh, soaps and things, what... I mean, for for most people, think okay, you know, bacteria, you know, uh, bacteria causes acne, bacteria causes this and that. So they think, oh, antibacterial soap, it's got to be good for keeping the skin healthy. Why is? What kind of uh, skincare do you use and recommend? That's natural. And what's what's the deal with the whole antibacterial skincare thing?
1: So I like to use Bronner's. It's pretty simple. you can use just a tiny bit of it and dilute it so it's fairly cheap. But I like to use Bronner's as like a body wash and soap. Uh, there's a really good resource, though, that people should know about if they don't already uh, called EWG, the Environmental Working Group. Okay. And that is a resource and a website that I use a lot, and I refer people to. Uh, you can type in any product that you have, and likely it will pop up there, and it will tell you, it will give you a rating. I think the rating is on a scale of zero to five of how toxic um, the product is and why, and it'll really go down there, and list each ingredient out, and let you know, you know, what um, what to look out for. And there you can also find healthier alternatives. Um, so of course there are tons of, of brands out there that are organic and natural, and a lot of them are pricey. Um, so it you know it really would depend on your budget, which ones that you uh, would go to. I like Hugo Naturals. I like Bronner's, San uh, Geo Organics. This Mama Angel Baby is good. DeVita from Makeup and make Sunscreen. So, but um, people have their own preferences. so I mm-hmm. would uh, encourage people to go to that website and check it out.
0: It's, it's ewg.com?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Okay. Cool and yeah. If if not, I'll I'll include that in the show notes for all the listeners because that sounds like an amazingly valuable resource just to kind of understand what it is that you're using on a day to day basis and to kind of understand if it's healthy or not and if it's green or not and these kind of things. And the thing about and I, I'm sure you see the same. And this is something I'd like to talk about a bit. Uh, as far as is healthy and green, it, it, is there really a difference in your mind? I mean, if something is green. And if it's healthy, I mean, isn't that kind of one and the same to you?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, you really have to go and look at the production, I mean, all the way down to what kind of bottle is being used, what kind of packaging material, um, what the ingredients, where they're being sourced from. So, I mean, healthy and green are not, I would say, not necessarily the same. I'm trying to think of some good examples here.
0: Yeah, the, the example would be great, because for me, I, I mean, if most green products are, you know, either compostable or earth-friendly. I mean, it's, it kind of, like, comes from the earth, if you will, and as far as health, as far as health is concerned, the products you want to use come from the earth as well. So there's, there's definitely, I think, some correlation there, at least, where mm-hmm. kind of knowing that a greener product is probably going to be healthier and a healthier product is probably going to be greener, you know, so it's um basically what i'm saying is like if you're having a if you're using a product that's healthy for you and it goes into the earth or you know landfill or whatever, uh it's probably better overall because it's closer to nature. It's healthier and it it can kind of absorb into the environment better.
1: Yeah, um, i agree.
0: So, i don't know, the, i think there's some correlation there, but yeah, you made you make a good point too that uh It's not necessarily truth, and you still have to look into it and and understand it because um you and I both know that marketing labels and things will say green and natural, and that doesn't necessarily mean much until you look at the ingredients and fully understand you know what the the ingredients and everything um, exactly. so uh, i cool. mean
1: the uh, the example that comes to mind isn't necessarily in the bathroom it's more or less in the kitchen, so um how about our like, fake soy products and fake meat? I mean, think of all the energy that goes into producing those things and their packaging and petrochemical use in packaging. So um, it, you really have to look at what does healthy mean to you and uh, look at everything, question everything. That's mm-hmm. my
0: point yeah. As far as the... Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. As far as petrochemicals are concerned, I know and this is something that I'm sure you definitely know more about than I do, Uh, but petrochemicals seem to be in everything nowadays, and and, uh, they affect our health, they affect our environment. So what, what are, I guess, the basic question is, what are petrochemicals for those that don't know, and how do you kind of avoid them?
1: Well, petrochemicals are derived from oil, basically, um, and even you'd be surprised to look at dietary supplements and all most of the most of the uh, mass market brands, if you will, the ones that are sold at CVS and Walgreens, like the cheap, um, the cheaper brands, mm-hmm. those are actually derived from petrochemicals rather than um, rather than you know natural plant based ingredients. Mm-hmm. So people think that they're being healthy and they're taking those vitamins. Uh, again, question everything because if you're getting it because it's cheap, most likely it's, it's also um, not natural.
0: Right. So how do you know, how how do you determine, like, if something, like you said, a vitamin, for example, is a, is a petrochemical vitamin, is there, like, a way to tell?
1: Well, the, the best thing to do in that case is to look for plant-derived supplements. Okay. So rather than, I mean, that's probably the most direct route to go, um, unless you want to, you know, go to each website and, and check them out. They probably are not uh, 100% forthcoming. Uh, but companies like um, Rainbow Light, um, New Chapter, Mega Foods, uh, those 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 companies use actual plant derivatives to to make their uh, their vitamins. So you probably want to just um, check those out rather than starting from scratch and looking into the mass market brands.
0: Right, okay. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about the kitchen because that's something that, uh, you know, we we eat in the kitchen, we cook in the kitchen, we, you know, clean the kitchen, and kind of what we clean the kitchen with determines a lot of things and, and, you know, the cooking process. And um, there's a lot of things in the kitchen. I mean, the kitchen is full of
1: uh, Mm -hmm.
0: food, chemicals, Cleaners, uh, brushes, dish soaps—you name it. Uh, so, when you go into someone's kitchen, what what are the the biggest culprits that affect their health and is, are just like the most toxic overall?
1: Well Well, I think the scariest thing to me is, is looking at um, the microwave and all of the plastic that uh, is in and around the kitchen. So, if you look at um, if you look at people's storage for their food and or what they're eating. If they're microwaving in plastic, that's probably, I would imagine, one of the worst things that you can, you can do. Um, again, plastics have BPA. Um, even the BPA-free, they use, a, uh, I believe it's BPA. They use a different sort of uh, chemical there. And those are hormone oh, really? disruptions. They take hundreds of years to recycle. Um, 98% of Americans um, have hormone disruptors down the bloodstream and they just don't go away. Hmm. So I would say removing plastic would be one of the first things to do. And also looking into cookware, um, there are a lot of greener options than using Teflon, um, you know, to cook in. Using glass would be a better choice. Um, you know, food saving in, in glass as well. Uh, so really plastic would be a huge one to look at. Okay.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit further. So even, okay, for those that are unaware, BPA is a toxic chemical in plastic, but you said some of the plastic that is even BPA-free contains another chemical, uh, EPA, which is kind of interesting too, because I think EPA stands for Environmental Protection Agency, oddly enough. Um, if if that's what it is, I don't know. But um, so even the BPA-free plastic isn't really that great, you're saying. Like it's, it's still plastic. It's still plastic. so still something you want to avoid overall. And then Teflon pans, like non-stick Teflon pans, what, what's, what's a lot of people use those. What What is not so great about those?
1: Another hormone disruptor called PFOA. Okay. And um, that's part of what's coating the pan. Um, so again, those can cause cancer. Um, we don't know exactly how so and what dose and use, and I'm not about to make any of those claims. Mm-hmm. But There are a lot of other options out there. Ceramic um, or Greenick is a brand um, that you could look into a green pan um, or using aluminum. The only thing you've got to be careful with using aluminum pan is that um, that leaches if you're using uh, very acidic things, like you probably wouldn't want to cook pasta sauce um, in aluminum. You can also use iron, which is um, probably good in smaller amounts to use an iron pan. And a lot of people you know, are low on their iron um, to begin with. So using right. a little bit of iron in the kitchen is, is a good thing.
0: Interesting. Okay. So there's there's several options. Um, for someone that's kind of very simple like myself, <laughs> or tries to be, mm-hmm. uh, which which type of cookware would you just say is good all around? Because cause like you kind of mentioned there, there's kind of positives and negative. Well, you know, cooking, you don't want to cook acidic in this pan and so on and so forth. So which overall type of pan would you say... What, what do you think about steel, too? Actually, let me ask that first. What do you think about steel cookware?
1: Um, you know what? I don't really have that much of an opinion on steel. I haven't used it myself. Okay. Um, what do you know about steel cookware?
0: Um, I Apparently, it's one of the better ones, I, and I think there's a specific kind of qualification of the steel. I forget what it's called right now, but... Um, it's definitely better than Teflon, is my understanding. And I believe uh, Dr. Mercola has, I want to say it's steel cookware, maybe not, or it's stone or something like stainless that. Steel. Yeah, sta- oh, stainless steel? Yeah, stainless steel, yeah. And then I think there's even a grades of it or something like that. But um, And then are you familiar with stone cookware? What do you think of that?
1: Sure. Um, stone cookware is good. Um, ceramic is good. Uh, you, what you probably don't want is something that's super porous. Um, things can get kind of trapped in there, um, but other than that, I use stones for cementing and things like that. Don't so use a ton of it in my kitchen. I'm pretty simple. I like glass, um, especially if you can, just, you know, use that for both the storage as well as in the oven.
0: Mhm. Okay, interesting. Uh, so, okay, so and beyond cookware in the kitchen and plastics and just just microwaving in general, what what other kind of uh, detrimental things do you see your clients use that either affect their health negatively or uh, just aren't that eco-friendly overall?
1: Packaged food, processed food. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard in this day and age to not have anything that's uh, been processed a little bit uh, in the kitchen. But, um, you know, you go into someone's cupboard and, and it's just boxes and boxes and boxes and bags and jars. And, mm. uh, you know, all of that, not only the packaging it needs to be either thrown away or recycled, which you never really know how well it's being recycled and used. Um, but uh, basically, if it's done in a plant, it really it's, it's subject to contamination. Um, if, if it's mass market, it probably has GMOs in the ingredient list. Uh, so really, I would say that the biggest thing in terms of looking at your food is how can you get rid of all those boxes and bags and you cooking from scratch?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, another thing would be chem- uh, the, the food additives. I think food that has a feature um, is is likely to have chemicals and preservatives in it. So like nacho, cheesier Doritos, and if things in the future like, like now crispier, now crunchier, um, that probably means it has uh, negative chemicals.
0: Right. It's mm-hmm. a good point. The more features food has, the more detrimental it is to your health in certain ways. It's just kind of like adding on to the already endless abyss of toxins probably is what's going on. Um, never really thought of it that way, but that does make sense. Um, so, okay, interesting. So the, the I think the biggest kind of thing for people that are looking to kind of live healthier, and a lot of health does start in the kitchen, and, you know, because that's where you either create something nourishing to your cells and to your health or something that um, kind of breaks your body down slowly but surely. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest kind of hiccups, if you will, for people that want to live a healthier lifestyle is, like you said, kind of switching from the fast food mentality of boxed, bagged, canned foods to creating fresh, healthy foods. Um, do you remember a time in your life when you made that transition, and, and do you have any advice to kind of make that transition easier for people looking to make that kind of switch?
1: Well, it, one of the uh, one of the pieces of advice that I would have uh, is be easy on yourself. You know, be gentle. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's tough. We've been kind of engulfed in this world of easy, quick, uh, convenient, and you know, no one's going to, I'm not here to lie to you and say that it's easy to make everything from scratch. You know, you've got to really set aside time. Um, but it's time well spent, I think. Mm-hmm. It can be healing time to spend, you know, a few hours on a Sunday afternoon in the kitchen and to prep all your meals for the week. Um, you know, a little bit therapeutic when you're sitting there stuffing your own um, ingredients and uh, you know what you're eating at that point. So, yeah, in college I did eat, um, pretty gross things um, and drink some pretty gross beverages, um, Diet Cokes and things like that. And, um, hmm, when did I give that all up? I think it was my first job. I, I, uh, I just didn't want to be like you know, all the rest of the folks in the office who were uh, just microwaving their meals every day and going down and starting their day with a Diet Coke. Uh, so I started bringing in my own lunches and I got kind of ridiculed for it in a way. Uh, you know what is that is that vegetable is that fish and so you know, it's a mindset so.
0: real food no yeah. you can't do that here
1: <laughs> this is
0: corporate America everything has to be boxed
1: <laughs> exactly so it's really just you know making the decision in your mind is to break free of that and to go your own path to mm-hmm. so do things that uh, cause cause a healthier outcome
0: yeah And that's a good point you made, too. I think one of the things for me when I started to kind of transition, one of the first transitions I actually made was from eating junk food to healthier junk food. So I would start getting like the Amy's, uh, you know, microwave meals. (laughs) Uh, So I'd start just kind of upgrading my quality of food. But it was still easy to make. But then I started to kind of appreciate the food and the quality more, which allowed me to kind of want to naturally experiment further And, uh, I, I fully agree too that having that, just being in the kitchen and making your own food, there really is something therapeutic about it. It's a very kind of grounding, uh, fulfilling and rewarding task. And it really just gives you a sense of accomplishment, oddly enough, like I made this food and, and it tastes so much better. It's so much more, uh, enjoyable when you kind of really make it into an art form. And that's something that, um, that you do very well and and that I think uh, people really appreciate when when you kind of you appreciate it yourself but then people around you really appreciate it too because it's just it's one of the most enjoyable things in life so might as well make it something of quality as opposed to of quantity um so thank you for sharing that so much um I want to ask you a little bit about because this is something that I found really interesting and something that out of all my friends you're someone that's really into this more than most of my friends Uh, Fermenting foods, fermenting drinks, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. What do you what do you ferment, and what what's what do you do with that? Tell tell the world about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, it's um it's really a, an art form and a lost art. Uh, it's sort of a, a way that you can get in the kitchen and become sort of a a, a mad scientist. Um, you can ferment just about any raw. Um, Raw ingredients. Uh, I ferment vegetables. I, you can make your own, um, organic soda pops out of ginger bug starters. You can make kombucha tea, cheeses, yogurt. Uh, beer is a fermented product and wine and meat and all of that good stuff. Bread even. Um, fermenting sour dough bread can actually, uh, some people say, uh, make bread actually more accessible to people who even have a little bit of a gluten sensitivity. Uh, I wouldn't say a full-blown celiac should go ahead and um, make sourdough bread, but um, it makes food easier to digest because basically what you're doing is culturing the food, growing beneficial bacteria, and um, kind of pre-digesting that food so that when you eat it, uh, it's already assimilating into your body. So the process of fermentation, basically, if you talk about vegetable fermentation, is submerging food, Uh, vegetables, let's just use sauerkraut, for example, submerging the cabbage in a brine, a salty brine, and the salt, the level of salt minimizes um, negative uh, uh, microbes from growing on the food and promotes an environment where lactobacillus and other uh, beneficial microbes can grow on the food, so it actually makes it even healthier and is a way to preserve the food. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's just really exciting that you can um, go out there in the summertime, grow your own cabbage, ferment it, make it even more healthy, and uh, kind of a way to store and preserve that eat for the winter.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So adding salt, you said reduce, or it kind of nullifies bad bacteria from growing. So do you want to add a li- the more salt, not the more salt, the better Then, Well, I guess that's my question. Yeah, the more salt, the better then or no?
1: It's, um, you're, you're basically controlling the environment People use between a 2 and 5% salt dye. So it depends kind of on what you're fermenting and um, what your tolerance for salt is. I don't mm-hmm. mind I don't mind it to be a little bit salty because, uh, you know, if I'm serving it with other food, I just don't salt the other food. It just kind of um, uh, adds add some of that zing and flavor. Um, mm-hmm. But I also use good quality Himalayan pink sea salt. Um, okay, so.
0: yeah. That was going to be my next question. What type of salt do you use? Because obviously there's, there's something on that. Do you exclusively use Himalayan salt or do you use other salts as well?
1: Most, most of the time I do. It's, now it's at a point where it's fairly inexpensive. Um, I buy all that kind of stuff, specialty food items, either in my local um, you know, Mountain Pop store or on vitacost.com. Uh, you can get anything from gluten-free flowers to nuts to spirulina and flax and uh, bee pollen and kind of those specialty uh, sorts of ingredients there and uh, they do free shipping over fifty dollars. so, mm-hmm. cool.
0: Very cool. Yeah, Himalayan salt. It's one of my favorite salts. I think it has like eighty four minerals or something in it. So I don't I don't know if you can beat that. Um. <laughs> so very cool. Yeah, and and like you have mentioned, all the beverages, uh, kombucha, beer, mead, wine, uh, kefir. All those different things are amazing, and, and I would encourage anyone who hasn't had kombucha tea or uh, kefir, do you, do you ferment uh, non-dairy kefir or dairy kefir?
1: Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've done both. Okay. You know, doing, fermenting kefir is a kind of a daily process. you get got to work with it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So generally, I kind of have to pick, my, pick and choose what I uh, want a lot time to in the kitchen um, so I don't necessarily do either of those regularly. My staple is kombucha, okay. or if I'm uh, having guests over, um I'll make up a batch of ginger beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also kind of time intensive. Yeah. those are different types of greens. You can generally find someone online that will be happy to send you some.
0: yeah, uh, uh, kombucha, like you said, is is great. It's the I, I would say it's probably the one of the easiest things to ferment. And it tastes great, and you have the probiotics in there, and it's just—it's a really refreshing, really healthy beverage. Um,
1: it's so cheap to make; it really is. Um, mm-hmm. People might be turned off going into the store and finding a bottle of GT kombucha for like three fifty or four dollars a bottle, um, but you can make it at home. I make it in a gallon-sized batch, and God, I estimate that with organic sugar and the tea. It would—it would be literally pennies.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that that is a uh, that's a great point because kombucha in the stores is quite pricey, but fermenting it on your own is definitely a lot cheaper. And it it tastes it's got a little bit of a different taste. I think it's better uh, fermenting on your own. Do you flavor kombucha at all, or do you just mainly create plain kombucha?
1: I do. Um, I'll experiment with my second ferment. That's after the the kombucha is ready to drink, but. You can add different flavors and let it go for a few more days um, closed on the counter, and that builds up the flavor and carbonation. So uh, right now I've got a batch of apple, cinnamon, clove, ginger.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh, that's uh, <laughs> in second fermentation stage. Uh, also, I'm waiting on some fresh uh, rose petals to come, and I'm going to do a hibiscus rose. And that's a, uh, hibiscus is beautiful because it's a gorgeous pink color um and a lot of vitamin C um and a lot of nice flavor so that's going to be another batch that I do pretty soon but um the, I think the best flavor that I made was strawberry ginger the strawberries being fresh out of my backyard and it was absolutely
0: incredible. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, excuse me while I book a flight back to Michigan from Costa Rica <laughs> to try some canoe kombucha. Wow, yeah, that's the, the apple, cinnamon, clove one, and oh, hibiscus rose. Wow, that's... And, I mean, just hearing that, I think one of the things is we've become so used to, and especially in America, but I think also kind of worldwide to some degree, we've become so used to kind of bland foods, bland drinks, bland... You know, there's not a lot of herbs and spices and, and things used anymore. And, and and when you use them, it's like you can make amazingly incredible things. Um, just hearing those things, I think anyone hearing that will just will want to start experimenting with kombucha and, and trying it out. Um, do you have any information on your website or anything about how to get started brewing kombucha? Or do you have any tips or resources for that?
1: Yeah, in fact, well, anyone in the Detroit area, I'm doing a workshop on the 23rd um, teaching people how to DIY kombucha. Um, But there is a, uh, on my website, you can use the search function to look up pretty much anything that we have talked about so far. I think um, anything from water, I've talked about, you know, distillation process and things like that. Uh, There's a uh, how-to starting kombucha from scratch. There's also a couple of... um, Sauerkraut and kimchi sorts of recipes and pickled turnips on my website as well.
0: Very cool. Yeah, uh, I have a few more questions for you. One question I have is: is you know, as far as the home in general, you like you know, the cosmetics, the cleaning products, the uh, you know, everything we use pretty much on a day-to-day basis, if not at least you know, once or twice a week. What are there any kind of? I think this is just really valuable to know. This are there any kind of cheap ingredients or you know either liquids powders whatever it may be kind of that are great for cleaning cosmetics and cooking kind of like the th- the big three in the home that you kind of have on hands I keep saying kind of today I don't know why um, <laughs> that you have on hand at all times or are just very beneficial for each of those areas that are healthier options that kind of have that multi-dimensional use and are eco- eco-friendly as well.
1: Totally, there's a whole list: Um, lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, uh, white vinegar, coconut oil, baking soda, castile soap, castor oil, um, borax. So those are just kind of a a short list of products that you can use in various uh, combinations. Um, Baking soda, I use to make my own toothpaste. Use a couple of drops of essential oil, some coconut oil, and some uh, baking soda whip that all up. You can add a few drops of stevia to make it a little bit sweeter. And um, that's an awesome uh, toothpaste. And, you know, pretty much anything you can clean with baking soda and vinegar. Um, make sprays, make, kind of just uh, whip up a batch of floor cleaner. I use uh, some essential oils and some um, a little bit of vinegar in warm water and that's my floor cleaner. Super easy and those ingredients are cheap. Then you can take your your lemon. Uh, take the peel that you've actually used the lemon to, to clean with, and uh, put some salt on there, and use it as a body scrub. Uh, kind of take a few layers of that dead skin off the top of your, uh, top of your, uh, I don't know what I'm saying. Again. Interesting. <laughs>
0: Interesting. <laughs> so, wait, you t- you you, like literally take the lemon peel, the inside, I'd imagine, and then put yeah. some like Himalayan salt or whatever on there.
1: Yeah, use that as a, uh, and as a scrub. Then,
0: and then just use that in the shower or on your face or what exactly?
1: Either, yeah. You can take it in the shower with you. Okay. Sometimes, um, you know, if I'm looking at, to have a nice, luxurious uh, scrub, I'll take coconut oil and either um, coarse sugar or Himalayan salt, a couple drops of essential oils like lavender is really nice, rose, um, and use that in the shower. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's a really good idea. It's funny you mentioned that. And the well, the floor wash thing is funny because I have a, a Kindle book on Amazon called Mean Green Cleaning Recipes, and that when I was down here, the the maids were using. This was last time. They're using this horrible floor wash, and I mean, I don't even know what the ingredients were, but it was completely chemical based because you could just smell it. And I was like, I'm gonna make an all natural floor wash. So I just took a like a plastic bottle, a big kind of empty bottle put Mm -hmm. some water in there, and then put my lime and lemon peels in it, and then I want to say a little bit of vinegar and baking soda and and shook it up and stir it and kind of let it sit for a few days and then added a few drops of some essential oil. I forget which one, Um, but then it it worked out perfectly. It didn't smell bad. It was natural. It was clean. Uh, It smelled pretty well, actually. It smelled kind of like tropical and citrusy. And uh, we call in the book uh, me and a friend we called it David's Pudavita floor wash and it's in the, it's in the Mean Green cleaning recipes book so it's kind of funny awesome. you mentioned that it's really similar. Um,
1: yeah, using those enzymes and oils to clean is great.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it and it leaves a good it leaves a a very light scent. It's not overbearing. It's not too strong, and it's like it's like a homey type thing. You know, it's not it's not all chemicalized and that kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so. Final question I guess I would have for you is, you know, all this kind of stuff in the home, the the green stuff, the health stuff, uh, for, for you and for your clients and just kind of for your overall kind of message, if you will, why is this so important to you and what are the kind of like biggest two or three tangible benefits that people receive when they make these changes in their life and their homes?
1: Sure. Well, we can absorb up to 62%, I think it is, uh, of what Put on our bodies. That's huge, and I don't think people think enough about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are chemicals that are going right into our bloodstream. And if you can make something that's cheap, sustainable, um, you know, eco-friendly, and still smells nice and works great out of things that you got around the house, or things that you, you know, slowly start to stock up on, why not? I mean, there's, there's I don't really see any uh, downfall to that. You're re- also reducing the carbon footprint with all of the um, plastic packaging that you're buying all these toxic chemicals in so uh you know the, the benefits are, are huge mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's healthier greener and uh you save money too i mean mm-hmm. when, it, when it comes down to it um very cool so well, i want to talk a little bit about the uh, before we end the interview there's you have a retreat coming up actually in costa rica can you tell us a bit about that and what's going what's going on with that
1: yeah, absolutely. So we've got a retreat coming up in May, May 2nd to 10th. It is in Costa Rica near Arenal, which is in the middle of the country. Um, there's one of these couple of active volcanoes there. Um, and it's on a biodynamic farm, which is actually more sustainable than just organic. So it takes it up a, a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're doing an eight-day, seven-night uh, eco-retreat yoga Uh, We've got two doctors. My my fiancé is going to be doing um, acupuncture, and we've got a network spinal analysis chiropractor who's also coming with us. We've got two uh, RYT yoga teachers, and we're going to be eating delicious fresh food, practicing yoga, meditation, learning about the farming, learning about where our food comes from, and all around having a great time.
0: Very cool. Yeah. And there's more information on that at GreenDreamsDetroit.com. Or yeah. if you want to ask questions directly, you can uh, just message me on Facebook on the Healthy Well and Free page. And I'll send you the link for more information and connect you with Angela directly if you would like to go to, on that retreat. And based on having lived in Costa Rica before, living here now, it is one of the most beautiful, amazing countries in the world, in my opinion. It's just absolute paradise. You, I'm sure you'll see monkeys when you're down here, beautiful birds. I mean, I don't know, you may have heard birds in the background in this interview. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're always chirping down here, like right now. Um, so it's definitely something to look into, and uh, if you really just kind of need a break to relax, to kind of ground yourself and just let go of that stress, it's definitely one of the best things you can do for yourself this year to just kind of hit the reset button. It is for me, at least. Costa Rica is definitely that. So um, thank you so much for your time, Angela. I really appreciate uh, you being on the podcast and sharing all this valuable information. For our listeners that want to learn more about your work, more about what you do, and just to learn more about these kind of how-to ferment and green living in the home and all these types of things, where can they find you online?
1: You can find me at www.greendreamsdetroit.com.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'll see you back in Michigan sometime soon.
1: (laughs) Sounds great. I'll uh, get a glass of kombucha ready for
0: you. (laughs) Awesome. Take care.
1: Take care, David. Bye.